We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order, cashback guru, low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. grab bag of topics to get to alex uh, a lot going on in the league as we head into all-star weekend which begins on friday runs through tuesday uh not a typical all-star weekend by any means we we still have really no idea uh the the bulk of the field for the three-point shootout the skills competition uh we have some of the dunk contest field uh, we'll, we'll get into who we'd like to see uh some of the guys who've turned it down um some of the other news items around the league but first and foremost this was brought to my attention about a half hour ago the state of Kentucky has voted unanimously to allow high school seniors to return for a fifth year of sports, uh, presumably due to the pandemic. Uh, many of their sports were either limited or wiped out. If you were in that scenario, would you consider 
I guess like driving home from college to go to basketball practice or play basketball games during the school year? Um, maybe. I mean, I did. I did in junior college live at home and drive to like basketball practice and stuff. Sure. So kind of very similar deal. Um, strange. But you you were I going guess. to your junior college basketball practice, right? Not yeah. your high school basketball practice. Yes, I yeah. was. Um. Yeah, I'm imagining someone just like they they have a job, you know, they work like a normal nine to five, but then they go to high school practice. <laughs> that might, yeah, that might actually be even weirder than leaving college, which, you know, freshman year of college can in some ways kind of blend with uh, senior year of high school. And obviously, as you as you go through college, that gets more and more distant. But yeah, that would that would be even weirder. It's like you, you spend your day like working as a working at the steel mill and then you got to show up <laughs> at three thirty for basketball practice. The steel mill. Yeah. The content mines more likely of like, you know, I don't even know. I, I'm actually more interested to see if the state of Wisconsin would grant a waiver for the class of 2010 to just have uh, you know, one more year of eligibility. Something that I've like dreamed of or more of like more of like had nightmares of on and off over the last 11 years. That that would be incredible. Um, I think I think actually it, it's funny that you say that, because when I was in junior college, like the year or two after I left, they increased junior college eligibility, I think, to three years or two and a half years or something. So I I, I can technically go back. Um, and so maybe maybe if you go back to your high school, I'll go back to my junior college and we'll we'll organize a scrimmage and we'll okay. see how that goes. I'm, I'm pretty confident that I would be better at basketball now than I was in high school. That's not saying a whole lot. Uh, I was, was not a fantastic player. I just think from like a physical maturity standpoint, like I've, I've played basketball like twice in the last year, given the pandemic constraints. Uh, one of them was at a basically a, a bar slash shed in Madison. I don't know if you've played there with, with yeah. some of the Rotowire guys. It was really cold. The heat was not on. Yeah. I like it was like really depressing. That was it. Basically made me consider just never playing basketball again. But just like the sheer, you know, just like physical development. Like I, I think I weighed like 145 pounds as a high school senior. I think I thought I was good at basketball. Turns out I was in fact not good at all. Um, I mean, do you, do you feel the same way now or are you now like slightly past your prime as you move towards your late twenties? Um, no, I feel the same way because as a senior in high school, I think I weighed 175 pounds and now I'm like 210. So I think that would probably help a lot. I've played a considerable amount of rec basketball with you. I, I would, I would have a hard time believing that current you is worse than high school you <laughs> because you're, you're pretty good now. You're extremely athletic now and I'm sure you were athletic in high school. Um, but yeah, like you said, adding 40 pounds or whatever it is make, makes a pretty big difference. Um, yeah, I just I just thought we needed to address that. I yeah. I did my research and was like, is this some sort of like hoax at first? Like I just I I just wonder how many people are gonna end up taking advantage of this. And like I don't know, in high school, if I if I had like had my senior year of sports wiped out, I feel like there would be a very strong urge to want to play. And then you'd like arrive at college and a week later you'd be like, there is no way in hell I'm going back to high school to play sports. <laughs> Absolutely not. Yeah, I think after like that first like weekend party, you'd be like, eh, yeah. you know, maybe not. Right. Yeah. Strange opportunity either way for kids in Kentucky. Uh, the Atlanta Hawks yesterday fired Lloyd Pierce. I would say it's a relatively surprising firing, um, you know, especially anytime you see a tweet like out of nowhere from Woes or Shams that it includes the word firing. It's kind of a, you know, the alarm bells are going off. But at the same time, you know, I think realistically, you know, you and I don't think we're, we're super high on the Hawks. Obviously, they, they had some flaws, but in terms of, you know, the guys they brought in uh, over this past offseason, 
I think they certainly expected to be better than six games under 500, having a worse record than the Bulls, the Hornets, the Knicks. Um, they're not not out of the playoff race by any means. They're only two and a half games uh, out of the eight seed, or actually two games out of the eight seed going into Tuesday night. So this isn't a disaster scenario. Um, but at the same time, you know, you're you're now transitioning to a, a veteran coach in Nate McMillan. And I, I just think we've kind of seen this play out for a number of teams who who hired the rebuild coach, whether it's Lloyd Pierce or Kenny Atkinson. Um, and then when, you know, when things get real and, and the expectations actually turn up, you know, the organization kind of flips the mandate on its head and, and wants a completely different type, you know, leading the team. Right. And I don't, I mean, so much of this, you look at the players that Atlanta has had available and it's like DeAndre Hunter's missed almost half the team's games. Bogdanovich has played nine games. Gallinari's played 22 games, but he's been like pretty bad for the most part. Oh yeah. So to me, this feels like a kind of a, what was, what was Lloyd Pierce supposed to do here situation? Um, I, I, I don't know, man. Like he, maybe he had just lost the locker room kind of beyond like wins and losses and beyond like the context of who's available for the team on any given day. Um, that would be, that would be my guess. It's just, they weren't really listening to him anymore. Yeah. And I, I think the losing the locker room thing, we, we don't know if that's true. Who knows? Uh, obviously there were some issues in terms of, you know, the, the Trey young show and then guys on the team, maybe feeling like the team should go in a different direction. Um, but at the same time, the level of investment that you have in Trey Young as as a top five pick and and the guy who's you know clearly in charge of this franchise, I don't really think they had another option. And you know, any, everything you heard about Lloyd Pierce before he took this job and even the last couple of years was how great of a guy he is in terms of relating to players. So like for me, it's it's hard to believe that there were any issues um, as as far as controlling the locker room. Um, and to me, at, at the end of the day, I, I don't think it's in terms of wins and losses, I don't I don't know that it's super fair to judge him on a 14 and 20 record when, you know, your your major free agent acquisition in Bogdanovich has you know missed the last like 20 games. He's going to be back tonight, uh, but we probably won't see him at full strength until a game or two after the All Star break. You know, Rondo has missed time. I, I think it was kind of unrealistic to think that he would be a major impact player anyway. And some of the other issues that you've had, you know, guys like John Collins, you know, kind of have 31 and 10 one night and then 12 points, four rebounds the next, like that, that inconsistency has always been there. Trey Young's inconsistency on D has always been there. Um, so I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if it was a, just kind of a disconnect in terms of expectations versus what you actually get when you just kind of throw this hodgepodge of players who look good on paper, but don't necessarily fit together. Um, I don't know. I, I, I hope we get more details eventually. I, I hope so too. Um, yeah, because this team like should be good. I, again, like I, I don't know. I Kevin Herter has played the second most minutes on the team. How good can you expect that team to be? Um, but I do. I mean, I do like the makeup of the team in general. Like this is a team that I think has a really good. Like if you had to for the playoffs, if you cut down to an eight-man rotation, I feel like this would be a really strong like eight-man rotation playoff team. So I don't know. I mean, Nate McMillan obviously has more experience, so. Maybe that's what they were going for. It's it's kind of hard to say because, like you mentioned, there are almost no details at this point. So what is your level of excitement right now for All-Star Weekend? And, I mean, it's basically just All-Star Sunday because everything is going to take place, including the All-Star game itself, on that Sunday. Um, I know we've kind of gone back and forth about how unnecessary this game is. I think most of the players feel that way. Um, but at the same time, I mean, we're we're going to have as star-studded of an All-Star game as usual 
Uh, and I, I have a feeling there's a good chance we'll look back and, and maybe be glad that the game took place just to kind of celebrate the season. But uh, where, where are you at on this versus, you know, your excitement level for a normal all-star game? I mean, it's about the same. I, I think, I mean, I, again, I don't really think this should be happening, but I'm going to watch it. I'm not like a person who's going to like protest, not watch it. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, I, I mean, I enjoy the all-star game. I hope that it's competitive. I think the it's a really fun field of players that are in it. And I'm someone who loves the dunk contest, so I'm always excited for at least that of all-star weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I, I, I'm about as excited as I normally am. I would say I, I'm a little bit less excited just because so many players have publicly voiced that they're not excited. And as sure. we've seen in, in other sports and even in the NBA, you know, if the players aren't fully engaged or, or bought in on what the league is trying to sell, the product can can suffer pretty quickly. Um, but at the same time, like it can only be so bad at an all-star game. You know, I, 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 I have a hard time believing we'll get the same level of competitiveness that last year's game brought with the Elam ending. I mean, everybody in the arena was standing up for like the last 15 minutes of real time as that played out. I think there's a pretty good chance they're, they're not really able to recapture that. Um, in terms of the the dunk contest, the three-point shootout, the skills challenge, one, the skills challenge just needs to go, right? Like, is anybody really, is anybody hanging on what happens in the skills challenge? Does anyone know who's even won any of the past skills challenges? Um, I don't remember. Didn't a big man win last year? I don't even remember. The first name that comes to mind is Porzingis. I think he's won one at some point. Maybe it wasn't last year. Like it's always like a guy who just makes no sense as far as you know when you picture like because it all it all just comes down to making that final three pointer, right? Yeah, they need to. I think they need to like. I mean, they either need to do away with it or just completely change the like how it works so that it, it's mm. not so reliant on that last three pointer. I still like. I think I watch it most of the time, or at least I'm just like sitting on my couch doing nothing, waiting for the game anyway. So. Um, it's at least on in some capacity, but I'm, I never look forward to it is what I should say. No, not at all. It, I just watch it too, because it's like, well, I don't want to miss the start of the dunk contest or the three point <laughs> shootout. It's like, I mean, it's like watching, uh, was it castle, a show that's always on TNT before oh, like, the Thursday be, night game start used to be bones, right? Or bones, is that after? Oh, bones. Yes, that's right. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it's essentially just a lead in to the real action. So we have three confirmed participants in the dunk contest, Obi Toppin, Anthony Simons, and Cassius Stanley. Um, the league has apparently reached out to Anthony Edwards, uh, Miles Bridges, Jalen Brown, uh, and of course, Zion Williamson. All four of those guys have declined. Very disappointing. Uh, obviously, I think any of those four would be awesome uh, as the fourth guy here because, I mean, Obi Toppin, I think is going to be really good. We haven't seen him all that much just because he's been injured and, and the Knicks have a decent amount of depth. Um, but he did throw down two, two between the legs dunks in game at Dayton last season. Uh, so I, I think I'm, I'm pretty excited to see what Toppin's going to bring. I mean, Simon's like, I, I've seen, I, I looked it up on YouTube. Like he had some pretty wild dunks in high school and whatnot, yeah. but I mean, what is he like six, two, six, three. I, I feel like there might be some limitations there. And, and Cassius Stanley was a great dunker at Duke. We've not seen him like at all on an NBA court. I, I feel like the average fan might not even know who Cassius Stanley is. I only knew him by name. Like, I don't know what he looks like. I didn't know where he came from, anything like that. It's Simons, I'm kind of interested in because I have seen, I saw him throw down some like windmill dunks and I was also looking for footage and there was like him doing a windmill in practice. There's a picture of him like looking into the rim on a jump. Um, so I think he'll do pretty well. Um, I think it's a good feat. I mean, it's, 
you know, this is kind of what like the dunk contest ends up turning into like relative no name guys who can just jump really high, which I'm actually fine with. Um, Same I just I just wish more. I wish guys like Zion would do it. You know what I mean? I it just it well, seems not to happen. What we need to know with Zion is, is he not doing it this year specifically because of the circumstances? And, you know, he just wants to get there, get in, get out, play 15 minutes in the game and, and call it a weekend and, and kind of rest up. I mean, we've already seen Damian Lillard uh, back out of the three-point shootout, citing rest. I mean, it, it's not the most draining thing. It's not like you're playing 40 minutes in a real game, but, um, I mean, it's, it's something. And, you know, the, the All-Star break is, is pretty brief this year, and obviously it's been a condensed schedule. So I, I don't fault any players for wanting to get rest. But, I mean, the Zion thing could very easily go down the LeBron path. Like, if he – yeah, obviously he was hurt last year. That was never really a possibility. But if we get to, if we get to next All-Star game and he's still not doing it, it's going to – I think it could kind of just – plague him in the same way like every single year for like the first 10 years of LeBron's career you know there was all this buzz and then right at the end he would he would reveal that he wasn't going to do it yeah I think um I I mean guys like Zion and LeBron they can put if if they get on a fast break in game they can basically do a dunk contest dunk anyway so I think he'll I think we'll at least get our our fix of Zion dunks in in the actual game itself I mean there again there's a chance like you said he only plays 15 minutes and it's just a weird 15 minutes where the ball doesn't really go his way. But again, like sometimes these guys don't try who knows what the fourth quarter is going to end up being like. Um, And I don't really mind when the all-star game kind of turns into like a glorified, like show off, you know, like craziest alley-oop craziest, you know, three pointer dunk contest kind of a thing. Oh no, me neither. I mean, that's, I think the first three quarters should be exclusively that I, I like when the score is like relatively close. So you don't have these just like, kind of crazy blowout scenarios and you can at least get some basketball in the fourth. But yeah, that's, I mean, you're basically just getting many of the best athletes on the court and not having to deal with like defenders. If you're going to throw an alley-oop, nobody's going to try to get up there and swat the ball away or, or foul you to, to prevent a dunk. Um, that's my favorite part, I think. And we're, we're going to get something out of Zion in the game. So that, that won't be that big of a letdown. I will say this, it would kind of go with LeBron's whole theme of this year to do the dunk contest. <laughs> Could he be the fourth guy? Obi Toppin, Anthony Simons, Cassius Stanley, LeBron James. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> I don't even. Wouldn't really it? I mean, he's not missed I, any time. Like pedal right. to the metal. Uh huh. He could do the three-point shootout. He could do the skills challenge. I mean, maybe that you know he can. The that can get baked into his MVP narrative. Exactly. It's like, well, he hey he did the dunk contest on a sprained ankle, by the way, which he's yes. been playing on all season. <laughs> he would insist on being listed as questionable for the dunk contest. hundred <laughs> yeah, percent. Yeah. I'm sure you saw it last week. Like Anthony Davis said something to the effect of, Oh, I, I know LeBron. He, he only cares about titles. He doesn't care about the MVP. Uh, that is incorrect. <laughs> Frankly, I don't believe it. I also don't believe it when a 36 year old is playing 36 minutes a game. <laughs> Um, so in the three point shootout, we have, I think the only confirmed participant at this point, and correct me if I'm wrong, <laughs> is Donovan Mitchell. Like I said, Lillard was initially in, and then it was announced earlier today that, that he's backing out, uh, in the skills competition. I, I think it's just Robert Covington and Julius Randall might just be one-on-one this year. Um, <laughs> I don't, is the I, league, I, can the league like force people to go if not enough participants sign up? I don't know, man. The Robert Covington thing, I'm not over it yet. I think the the fact that it's just those two like you said it almost feels like are they actually they're gonna play one-on-one this is the finally the one-on-one 
competition yeah. that we get. And it's Robert Covington versus Julius Randle. Um, I don't know. Like, it's kind of crazy that we don't know the full participants. Um, it would be funny if they just kind of like let it run with whoever they could get. Um, and they just kept it like really lax. Like I actually miss, so like sort of off topic. Um, but like you watch old footage from like the old dunk contest, the old three point contest, the NBA now is so strict about you. You have to wear your Jersey at all times. There's no extra stuff. Like, I think they should just let anyone wear whatever they want during these skills competitions. Like you see the footage of like Jordan wearing sweatpants and, or like, Kobe, I think, wore sweatpants one time for the dunk contest mm-hmm. and like chains. Um, yeah. And like the chains are to, the chains are big. Yeah. You should be able to wear chains, a hoodie like it shouldn't matter. Um, so I hope I hope that if man, if Robert Covington's in the skills competition, just let let the man wear whatever he wants. Yeah, I mean, I, it goes without saying that we're on the same page there. I, I think having <laughs> to having to wear a jersey is actually pretty preposterous when you're talking about the dunk contest, especially. Um, is, is there anyone you know outside of LeBron that you want to see or really really want in the in the dunk contest? Is that four spot or, or anyone in the three point shootout? Um, I mean, the mo- mo- pretty much everyone that was on my mind in terms of the dunk contest has already declined, and like, so I'm kind of left with like, well, maybe John Collins will like do it. Like, I, I don't, I don't really know who else. I mean, RJ Hampton has had some crazy dunks lately. I don't know if he, I mean, I guess he would be a candidate. I don't really know what he has in terms of like difficult dunks. He would definitely um, fit the mold of these other three guys. He would at three point. I just like, for me, I don't really care about the three point contest that much. I know a lot of people are like the opposite. They like love the three point shootout. Um, uh, I just feel like it's just kind of like whoever can get hot, you know, like it's just kind of random to me. So I, I don't really have any, like, hmm. like guys like Seth Curry should be in it. Right. Joe Harris should be in it. Right. Um, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, this year's obviously unique in a, in a lot of ways. I, I would like in a normal, you know, all-star weekend when most guys want to be there and it's an, it's an honor to be in one of these events. Like I, I would almost like for the NBA to set like a statistical minimum and be like, all right, if you've, if you've attempted at least, you know, 153s and, you know, you're, you're shooting X percent, like the top eight leaders in three point percentage should be the guys there. And then it's like a real, like who's actually the best shooter. <laughs> right. Yeah. And then they kind of just go down the list and ask each guy. And then when they say no, they go to the next yeah. guy on the list. But I think in that scenario, you'd want to go, you know, I think it would be a big deal. It's like, all right, I'm, I'm in the top eight. I, I want to prove that I'm the best shooter in the league. I, I don't think you'd have a ton of guys backing out unless, unless there's an injury or some sort of special circumstance. Like right now, like the stakes just don't really seem all that high. It's just, it's just kind of like a lot of guys who are either in the all-star game or already there who are pretty good three-point shooters. Like, I think it'd be really cool to see like the, you know, the eight best shooters in the league go at it instead of just a bunch of guys who shoot a lot of threes. Yeah. A lot of times it, it does feel like it's almost like mostly stars who are good at yeah. shooting threes or just shoot a lot of them. And then like a, a like a couple of role players and right. really it should probably be the opposite. So I'm, I'm with you there, especially when the dunk contest is like all just about whoever they can find that has the highest vertical in the combine. Yeah. And again, I'm okay with that. You know, I, I, I don't too, think, yeah. I don't think there'd be a whole lot of benefit. Like not that stars aren't, aren't good dunkers, but like, I don't know. I'm the, they, I don't like Donovan Mitchell, whoever it is like, yeah, he could throw down some dunks. Uh, but you know, I would rather have someone like Derek Jones jr. Who's like specialty is dunking. Yeah. I'm with you. Um, I want to look at some of the odds on the DraftKings Sportsbook to make the playoffs. Uh, and these, these have been adjusted obviously as the season progresses. Um, 
And I mean, there's a few that I want to just hone in on and, and kind of get your take as we look at the standings. And the nice thing about the all-star break this year is it falls pretty much at the exact midway point of the season. So you don't have to do like a ton of math. Obviously some teams have, have missed games due to postponements. Um, but you know, you can kind of look at it as, as a true halfway point and, and assess the standings. Uh, we will start with, as I pull the odds up, the Atlanta Hawks. They are plus 117 to make the playoffs, minus 143 to miss the playoffs. So slightly favored to to miss. They're 14 and 20. Like I said before, they're two games out of the eight seed. Uh, and these odds, you know, um, imply that you will actually make the field of eight teams. So if you're in the play-in, you have to win the play-in. Where do you come in on Atlanta now, you know, starting out with Nate McMillan tonight? I think um, I there aren't a lot of teams that I think they're definitively worse than that are above them. Like, you know, I don't think they're any worse than the Bulls. I don't think they're really any worse than the Hornets. Um, and I don't really think they should be any worse than the Knicks. Um, so, and they're only, I mean, they're only three and a half games back from the four seed, by the way, like they're right. 11 right now. Um, and I think once they get Bogdanovich back, I think the all-star break will probably be really good for Gallinari. Um, maybe Chris Dunn eventually starts playing. I just think like, this is a team that should, I feel like they've already hit their low and I, I've been high on them. I, w- I was high on them to start the season. So I'm biased here, but I think, I think they're a good team and. I, I think I would bet on them to make the playoffs if you made me, you know, say mm-hmm. yes or no. The Washington Wizards are plus 240 to make the playoffs. Minus 315 not to make the playoffs. They, they're they also eight and a half games out of first place right now. So they've, they've played fewer games than Atlanta, um, but they're, they're one game back in the win and one game back in the loss column. So, I mean, essentially, they're right there. It feels like the Wizards have been so much worse. I feel like they were so bad, like they were intensely bad for like a two-week stretch that that has kind of infected their entire reputation. But they've they've been, uh, you know, a much a much better team over the last two weeks. Russell Westbrook starting to play more like last year's Russell Westbrook, as in he's not taking six threes a game and hitting them at a 10% clip. Um, you know, attacking the basket more, starting to rack up those triple doubles. They're they're starting to feel a little more meaningful uh, than they did early on. I, I still I, I think I would favor Atlanta over Washington, especially because you have the possibility that that the Nate McMillan hire does change something. Um, I mean, obviously, he got that Indiana defense to to a great point last season. Um, and, and we'll see if he can do the same in Atlanta. But I don't know. I mean, I, I think you could make the case that on any given night, Washington could have the two best players if you're going if you're putting them face to face against the Atlanta Hawks. But at the same time, you know, a lot of the guys that we talked about with Atlanta have have underwhelmed. But the Hawks, to me, on paper, are are so much deeper, especially in those like three through eight spots. They they really are. Like their depth. I again, like I really love their depth. I think Washington, like you, you're right. They have, their two stars can carry them to some extent on like whatever night because they have one. I mean, they've only lost two games in the past. Was it like eight or something like that? Um, but I just I still think they're like <laughs> I still think they're bad. Like I, I don't. Yeah, they're definitely bad. Like. They have, you know, like it's Hachimura, it's Bertans, Robin Lopez, like they're starting Garrison Matthews. It just very quickly turns into like a, you know, like a roster of, uh, you know, like that on TNT when they do who he play for. Like that could be mm-hmm. you could do that for, you know, like five through 12 on their roster. And uh, so I 
you know, I think if these, I think if the Hawks and Wizards were like, if you put them in a playoff series together, I think, you know, obviously like Atlanta would be the favorite there. Um, and that's, I just don't think the Wizards are going to make the playoffs. I mean, again, like they could because they're, they're so close, but I don't really mm-hmm. think they're good. So these are two teams that are favored to make the playoffs in the West, Portland and Denver. Uh, Portland is better than Denver right now. They're a half game up in the standings. Portland would be the five seed. Denver would be the seven uh, if the season ended today. Uh, Denver is minus 1,015 to make the playoffs. Portland is minus 195. That's crazy. Um, yeah, they're they're not they're separated in the standings by a half game. Denver half game. and Portland. I I mean I think I think part of that is Denver has had a tougher schedule up to this point. I'm pretty sure, and. I don't know, man. I mean, Lillard has been playing so well that you figure that once Nurkic and McCollum come back, that they can like start to make some waves to some extent. I mean, they have been right. making waves already, right? I mean, it's um, they're 19 and 14 with those guys out of the lineup. the The gap feels like way too big on those odds. I feel the same way, and and I get the schedule thing. Um, to me, though, I I feel like there's still so many teams that we don't really know what their direction is that like, I, I don't look at the schedule and, and put like a ton of credence into that over the second half. I mean, I, I feel like we have like three good teams in the East and maybe four in the West um, and, and teams like Denver sitting in seventh, you know, Dallas and ninth, obviously those are, those are much more dangerous teams to face on any given night than like the seven or the nine seed in the East. Um, but I, I, there's just not a ton of teams that I would say like, okay, that's an automatic loss on your schedule. Uh, and then you throw in, you know, all the COVID variations and, and injuries, you know, if, if you're playing the Lakers, that looks really bad. But if you're playing them the first game after the all-star break, or you're playing them tonight, you know, that's not nearly as scary of a team without Anthony Davis. So I think there's a lot of factors um, to consider before you just blindly look at strength of schedule. But yeah, I, I think that you hit it on the head with, with Portland. It's like this almost like these odds almost assume that Denver is the team that's getting like two major, major pieces back. And, and Denver has had some injuries, but it's been too you know, Paul Millsap and Jamichael Green, who are basically splitting the power forward spot and Gary Harris, who has been hurt for virtually the last two years, whereas Portland's getting a guy who we think probably would have been an all-star this year in McCollum. And then Nurkic, who, you know, wasn't great in his, I think he played 15 games before getting hurt, was pretty disappointing, but is still a major upgrade over what you're trying to rely on now playing, you know, Derek Jones, basically as, as your small ball center, Covington, uh, obviously Enos Cantor is a sieve on defense. Like Portland, I, I think is extremely fortunate to be 19 and 14 right now, given the circumstances. And I would say there's a pretty good chance that even if McCollum misses another month, you know, once you get those two back, I, I just can't imagine that Portland's going to be any worse of a team in a month or, or, or two months from now than they are right now. I'm, I'm with you on that. It does feel like the, I mean, when you compare the two teams, the minus 195 for Portland to BN seems like insanely good value. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Golden State, minus 162. The Warriors are 19 and 16. They're just behind Denver, half game behind Denver, one game behind Portland. I, I feel like I've gone back and forth so many times on the Warriors. Like one week into the season, I'm like, all right, they're going to be the worst team in the league. Shut it down, trade stuff. And then they go on this <laughs> run. And and I mean, I still don't think they're like a true contender. I don't think anyone's saying that. They got absolutely lambasted by the Warrior or by the, the Lakers the other night, a game that was basically over by the end of the first quarter. So like they're, they're still nights where they look like at Steph Curry and then a bunch of G leaguers. Um, I, I think I, I would pick them to make the playoffs with that said, 
they're the eight right now. The seven teams ahead of them are Utah, LA, LA, Phoenix, Portland, San Antonio, Denver. The Mavericks are behind them in ninth. You still have the Pelicans and the and the Grizzlies who are right there. I mean, if the Warriors are holding on to eight, that implies that Dallas isn't getting in or one of the teams ahead of them, Portland, San Antonio, Denver. Uh, I think the, the top four are, are probably pretty safe. You know, which, which four out of Denver, Dallas, San Antonio, Portland falls out if the Warriors are in the field? Um, I mean, Spurs have, I mean, Spurs could easily fall out. Um, I think, I, I don't know, man. I I'm with you on like going back and forth on the Warriors. Draymond has been like a, a revelation for them just in terms of him coming back, really helped them so much. Oubre has remembered how to play basketball. Andrew Wiggins has been pretty solid for them. I don't know what I would do. Like th- that's a problem with so many of these. I mean, the, I would not want to bet on these odds for most teams right like they are so the 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 race is so tight you never know who's going to get hit with covid um you know just random injuries stuff like that this is a really tough year to try to guess who is going to make the playoffs and who is not i will say with regard to the schedule the spurs are one team that you do have to factor this in they have 40 games in 68 days and they play four games in five nights to end the season in in mid-may so, and, and Golden State, schedule-wise, it, it has one of the easiest schedules the rest of the way. Um, they, have, they have one of the fewest, like, back-to-back sets remaining. Um, so that they're, you know, if, if you're kind of splitting hairs between teams like that, I, I, maybe you do give a slight edge to Golden State. I mean, I think San Antonio has been pretty good, all things considered. I mean, they've gotten virtually nothing out of LaMarcus Aldridge, who's been hurt and just hasn't been that good when healthy. DeRozan's been great. Uh, DeJounte Murray, I think, is having his best year. You've barely seen any of Derek White yet. So I, I don't think you can count San Antonio out, but with that schedule, it, it is a little bit of an uphill climb for them. Yeah, you do have to really, you you before making a, any of these bets, I think you have to look at the, like, the second half schedule for whatever team you're considering. Yeah. Um, looking at the East. So let's say that only two of the Knicks, the Bulls, the Hornets, and the Pacers can make the playoffs. Just for you personally for whatever your motivations are, whether it's a a competitive playoffs or just, you know, teams you want to watch, which two of those four do you want to see in the playoffs? I think, um, I think Knicks, Hornets, um, just for fun. The Knicks are a lock, I think. The Knicks are a lock for a number of reasons. Just like the the general fun that would, even if it's like Knicks Sixers or Knicks Bucks in round one, like there's a chance maybe there's fans at that point. That would that would just be really fun no matter what. So I, I think you're definitely right on the Knicks. I you know the Pacers maybe are the team that is like the least like has like the highest floor. I feel like maybe not the highest ceiling of these teams, but like the Pacers could at least take a game. I feel like from any team in the East on the right night. I don't know if you could say that. Like I would I I could fully see the Knicks, Hornets, or Bulls being swept by by one of the top two or three teams. Um, Indiana I think could hang tough. Charlotte versus Chicago is is really difficult. I I think I would side with Charlotte as well. I, I think they're the rosters are, are comparable in a lot of ways, but I, I think Charlotte has the singular most fun player in LaMelo. Yeah. Like I think, I think Indiana is the team that is like the most ready f- to make an upset or is like the sleeping giant of these teams, just because they could get the Levert back and they could get TJ Warren back. Um, and that would help them a lot. But yeah, I mean, seeing LaMelo ball, I, I'd like to see, you know, young guys in the playoffs. Like he's done so well in the regular season. I want to see what happens when, when teams really try to lock down on him for a series. And obviously they, they have some guys with, 
legitimate playoff experience as well. Like Terry Rozier and Gordon Hayward both have like, you know, plenty of like playoff minutes. So they're not, they're not one of these young teams that has like nobody who's been in the playoff before. Um, so I think, yeah, I think that would be fun for that reason. If you're the Toronto Raptors, how seriously are you considering dealing Kyle Lowry? You're 17 and 17. You have a, a bunch of guys who are going to miss uh, probably the next two games before the all-star break due to COVID, Van Vliet, Ananobi, Siakam. Um, obviously, this year has has not gone as planned. They've, they've recovered to the point where they're tied for the five seed, fittingly, with Boston and Miami, who it feels like are the two other teams that are in the exact same boat with Toronto uh, in terms of underachieving. But, I mean, we've we've seen Masai Ujiri kind of pull, pull the strings on deals that I wouldn't say are non-traditional, but are a little cutthroat, you know, dealing DeMar DeRozan. I think there are a lot of organizations that from a PR perspective wouldn't have done that from a risk management perspective, uh, wouldn't have done that to, to basically get one year of Kawhi Leonard. And obviously it worked out for them. But I, I think that, you know, the Raptors are on the short list of organizations that would consider cashing in on maybe their last opportunity to to trade Kyle Lowry when he has a ton of value here. I mean, from what it seems like they really want it to be kind of his choice, right? Um, or at least I kind of want to like, I, I don't even know how to like put it. Like they want his approval to some extent. I think, you know, Lowry has so much more meaning to the Raptors than like DeRozan did. And actually I think some of that is now partially due to the fact that DeRozan left and then they won a title. So like people are just kind of like, well, you know, whatever. Um, so I mean, I think you have to consider it, but I also, if I'm them, you know, I, I don't, I probably don't think I'm winning the title, but I, at the, uh, you, you probably still want more playoff experience for guys like Siakam and Ananobi, right? Like, I don't think you want to try to just like tank and keep those guys out of the playoffs. I think that's all valuable for them, especially since I think you want to give Siakam another chance to kind of like prove the doubters wrong in the playoffs. And I think that would be better yeah. for him than to just try to like, tank your way out of the playoffs for like the 11th pick right. or something. So with Lowry, I mean, the fact that he's already won a title, I don't, I don't feel like there's that same sense of urgency, you know, where if, if he had not won, you know, two years ago, I think, you know, if you're him, you're like, man, this, this might really be my last chance. Like if I can get to Philly or if I can get to, I don't know, the Clippers or you know, one of those teams that, you know, with Kyle Lowry really becomes, you know, potentially the favorite in that conference. But I, I just, I don't know that, he really has that motivation. And like you said, I, I think it would have to be a mutual parting of ways where, you know, maybe he does want another title somewhere else. And obviously he's from Philly. So maybe there's some motivation there. I also, I don't think Toronto has been that bad. You know, like it, would it be that crazy if they won seven out of eight coming out of the all-star break and all of a sudden they're like a couple games behind Milwaukee for third in the East. Like, I, I don't think that's that far fetched. Like they are a team that it feels like was so bad early on has been progressively better. You're getting a great season out of Van Vliet. I mean, Siakam's been, relatively disappointing but still very good Ananobi was good before he got hurt um they have some interesting pieces so i i think it could kind of go the other way where you know if you're toronto you're not you're not going to turn around and go get brad beal but if you add a, a veteran piece or two or, or you know somebody on the buyout market you know you could be that team that's playing philadelphia in round one rather than trading your starting point guard to that team and then maybe having to face them in the playoffs i'm with you on that um it's actually like the 76ers and the Raptors, their net rating on the season is separated by one point. The 76ers are plus 3.3, Raptors are plus 2.4. It's just that mm-hmm. 
the Raptors have got, I think, have had bad luck with their losses, and the 76ers have had good luck with their losses. Um, right. So, like, I, there. if you look at these stats, they suggest that the Raptors and 76ers actually aren't that far apart. I would disagree on that. I mean, I think the 76ers are way better, but mm-hmm. that speaks to what you're saying in terms of, like, yeah, we shouldn't be surprised if they get everybody healthy at the end of the, after the All-Star break, everyone's yeah. more comfortable, and they they rattle off you know, plenty of wins and then they're before right. we even know it, they're like third or fourth. And, and even if they don't do that and they're still like, they go into the playoffs as the five seed and you know, one week they look fine. Another week they look terrible. One week they look great. And we just don't know what we're going to get. Like that's still not a team you want to play. Right. I mean, that this is a, a, a championship core that's still intact granted without Kawhi Leonard. Um, but it, you know, a coach that a lot of people respect. And I, I don't, I don't think that they're, you know, to the point where you say like, man, you got to start thinking about selling off your, your veteran assets. They kind of remind me of like the post title KG Celtics in some ways. And and they have more young talent than that Celtics team did. But like, you know, everybody knew that Garnett and Pierce and Ray Allen, you know, and like, I'm talking like 2011, 2012, you know, when it was clear that all three of those guys were, were starting to kind of be on the downslope of their career, you knew that that team wasn't going to win the title. They pro- they weren't going to beat Miami. And, you know, if they got to the finals, they, they weren't beating OKC or San Antonio or whoever it was. But at the same time, you're like, this like I don't want to play this team. Like, this team could beat any individual team in any specific series. They might not be able to go all the way, but they're still really, really good and, and really, really tough. And I, I kind of get that same vibe from this Toronto team. I think so, too. I mean, they just have, they have so much playoff experience that you would feel good. At, I mean... You would feel good about them in any first round series, like any middle of the pack first round series. And then the second round is where yeah. things kind of get interesting. But even then, I don't think they would be like, you know, like vast underdogs to any buggy except maybe like Brooklyn. Um, yeah, I, Brooklyn would be really tough for them. But, but Brooklyn would also be tough for anybody. Right. I mean, oh, un- yeah. unless you're lining them up against Philly or Milwaukee in the East Finals, like. Yeah. You know, if you're Toronto, I, I don't think you can say like, well, we can't we can't beat the Nets. So we just have to pack it in. No, because there's a, I mean, again, if they if they catch fire or something, like, you never know. I I think they can. Right. Uh, what they did to the Bucks a couple years ago, mm-hmm. I mean, they could do that to any other team in the East. That's you know, it's yeah. conceivable they can do that sort of a thing to Philly. I mean, they they don't have the exact same type of roster, but they they're well coached and they have a ton of experience. All right, we'll end on this. It's been a few weeks since we've updated our cross-offs for teams that have no chance to make the playoffs at this stage. I have Detroit, Cleveland, Houston, and Minnesota as my, my lock cross-offs. I'm almost there on Orlando. I think they could probably be in that category. And, and OKC and Sacramento are starting to teeter on the edge for me. Uh, yeah, I'm with you. I mean, that, that, that loss the other night that sec that Sacramento took, I forgot who was that too. That's just really, Charlotte really demoralizing, like really yeah. cut the energy. Like the Kings were kind of on an upswing, and then I think that kind of killed all their momentum. Yeah, I'm I, I'm with you on all those cross-offs, um, especially since I think OKC is probably going to look to ch- unload their players that are helping them win. Um, mainly Al Horford and George Hill, although Hill hasn't played lately. Um, yeah, Orlando I think is out. I mean, without Fultz, I I, I don't know, man. Like they're just I don't think they really stand a chance. Um, and other than that, I think other than that, everyone has a, has an opportunity to get in with, with Orlando. Like I want to give them like one week after the all-star break, because <laughs> right. you might, you might get Cole Anthony and Aaron Gordon back. And that, I mean, that's not, 
like the most exciting duo uh, to be talking about. But when you look at the guys, I mean, they're starting Michael Carter Williams. Like that is how dire things are right now. They're, they're starting Dwayne Bacon, James Ennis, Gary Clark, um, like just having semi-competent NBA players, I, I think could go a long way for them. Like, I, I don't think they're that far behind a team like Washington that we just talked about as a potential playoff team. I mean, they're, they're a game and a half back in the standings. And I mean, Vucevic has been a complete machine. They should probably be worse than they are. I mean, 13 and 22, nine games under 500 feels like a miracle based on the level of talent that's been on the court. So, I mean, if, if they come out of the, the all-star break and go one and three in their first week, that's probably curtains. Um, but I, I'm holding out a little bit of hope for Orlando because I think they at least want to make the playoffs. And, and like you said, with OKC, I, I don't think you can necessarily say the same thing there. No, I'm looking at Orlando, their third, the players with the third and fourth most minutes on their team right now, Dwayne Bacon and Kem Birch. Wow. Yeah, man, that is who's who's one and two then Vooch and Fournier or did he miss enough time that he's not even up there? Uh, Vooch and Terrence Ross. Oh, of course. Of course. Yeah. He's actually been shockingly good this year. Yeah, Terrence Ross has definitely been good. Um, they need to he's talking about another guy that needs to get like sent to a like someone. He could be someone's yeah. Jordan Clarkson, it feels like. I, I sent out some Terrence Ross should go to the Lakers uh, feelers. And I don't know if they were received by anyone, but that, <laughs> that's, that's been in ether. Uh, let's flip this quick. What? How many locks do you have for the playoffs? Like right now, these teams are for sure making the field of 16. Uh well, I mean, Philly, Brooklyn, Milwaukee. I mean, I, I still think I have to go with like Boston, Toronto, Miami, um, you know, Utah, Lakers, Clippers, Phoenix. Um, I want to say Portland, Denver. And that's I think that's who I got. So I think I think of the teams that are in the playoffs right now that I don't that I wouldn't consider a lock are the Knicks, the Spurs, the Warriors, and the Hornets are the teams that are top eight in their conference that I would not lock in. I, I think that's fair. Yeah. I mean, it's, it feels kind of weird to lock in like the 17 and 17 heat or the 19 and 14 Blazers, but yeah, I mean, I, the, the, the gaps in talent, you know, like the heat are not one game better than the Hornets and the Raptors are not one and a half games better than the bulls. Like there's a bigger gap there. Yes. And that's, that's kind of what I'm getting at. Mm-hmm. All right. We got to run a lot of news coming in as we near lineup lock on Tuesday night. We'll be back with Ben Wyman, who joined us a few weeks ago uh, from DraftKings. He'll be on the show on Wednesday. Um, we might post that on Wednesday, might post it Thursday morning. So keep an eye out for that. And then you'll be back on Friday as usual with Ken and Shannon. This is the story of the one as a maintenance engineer. He hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.